Good morning. I'm Pastor Robert Elliott. I serve here at Calvary Bible Church as a senior pastor teacher. Olivia, my wife Beth, and I convey our heartfelt condolences to you and all your family in this time of loss. Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than any brother, and he prays for you from his Father's right hand in heaven. And the Holy Spirit also prays for you when you don't know how to pray. On behalf of the incredible body of Christ, Calvary Bible Church, members and leaders, I pass along to you our prayers, our condolences, and our love. We are called in Scripture as spiritual families to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And so we weep with, with those who weep. And I'm also very grateful for the opportunity this morning to minister God's word to everyone in attendance. May Jesus Christ be praised. Ted is the reason that we are all here, but Ted is not here. You and I are here to look within, around, and up for God's perspective, truth, hope, and healing. Every human being is made in God's image. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet one God, the Trinity, the triunity of God, three persons in the Godhead, co-equal, but yet one God. When we are made in God's image, uh, one of the spinoffs of that, one of the realities of that is that each of us is three parts. We have body, we have soul, and we have spirit. Our bodies are magnificent creations that God has allowed to give us the capacity to interact with our environments through our senses. Our souls are the portion of us that God has made to be able to relate to each other. Some people call the soul the personality or the intellect, emotion, and will, the thinker, the feeler, and the chooser of what it means to be human. And the spirit is the third part of every single human being that is made to allow us to interact with God, our creator. And so when on January 13th, when Ted's physical life here on earth ended, his soul and spirit were dismissed from his body. But they were not dismissed to stop existing, nor were they dismissed to float aimlessly around somewhere. Not at all. They went to be with Christ in heaven. They returned to the God who created Ted with body, soul, and spirit. His soul and spirit returned to God, the one who gave those things in the first place. And those things about Ted, those aspects about Ted, his soul and his spirit, uh, await a sure and a certain reunion with his resurrected body one day. I love Ecclesiastes 12, verses 6 and 7. This is what they say. Remember him, that is God, before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And so, again I say it, that Ted is the reason that we're all here. 
But Ted is not here. Ted is with Christ. His soul and spirit are with Christ. And we'll see him again someday if we know Christ as Savior. And so we're here. Funerals close the eyes of the dead and open the eyes of the living. We're here together to look at Scripture, to find comfort and truth so that we can look within to see what our problem is before God, to look around us to see how our circumstances should be interpreted, and to look up to the God who is higher than I and higher than you. We're looking today in the Scriptures for God's perspective, truth, hope, and healing. Let us pray. True and living God, you are abundantly gracious. It is true that things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, you have prepared for those who love you. We are lost in wonder, love, and praise to be assured that there is a new heaven and a new earth, a real place where God himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes and where there'll no longer be any death or mourning or crying or pain, a place where the first things have passed away. Lord Jesus, Savior, we know that we were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from our futile way of life inherited from our forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, your precious blood, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Heavenly Father, for according to your mercy, you have caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for us. Teach us to number our days that we would apply our hearts to wisdom. Lord Jesus, we know that you will come again for your own redeemed believers. And we long for that day when the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Logically, we comfort one another with these words. Father in heaven, how grateful we are that Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. It settles us that since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, also in Christ all will be made alive. Loving Lord God, only you can see to it that the body which is sown perishable is raised imperishable. The body which is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. The body which is sown in weakness is raised in power. The body which is sown a natural body is raised a spiritual body. We worship you as the King and Savior, the one who causes us to one day bear the image of the heavenly, whereas we have formerly borne the image of the earthly. We praise you, for you are the Redeemer who ensures that your own children are changed, raised imperishable, raised immortal. We follow by faith in the wake of your victory, 
for you are the Redeemer who sees to it that death is swallowed up in victory, that death is stripped of its sting, risen Lord Jesus Christ. We bless you for the victory which we have in you. Please give us grace so that we who name the name of Christ will be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our toil is not in vain in Jesus Christ. God of peace, you brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Equip us in every good thing to do your will, working in us that which is pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Um, Other than the immediate family, would we please stand as we sing, It is well with my soul.
Try as I may, uh, my words won't be nearly the comfort as Scripture will be to this family and you as friends. I have some portions of Scripture that Lydia and I selected together that I would invite you to listen carefully as if you've never heard these before, to let the truth of God's Word wash over your mind and your heart this morning. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 11 to 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And then the epistle to the Roman church found in the New Testament, chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him up, For us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God and also intercedes for us. For who shall separate us from the love of God? Of Christ. So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. You may recall this is in the upper room when the Lord Jesus had the Last Supper with his closest friends and followers. He had told them he was going to the cross often in his public ministry, but they didn't get it. Or if they got it, they didn't want to think about it. Just before his arrest, he said to them, and by extension to us this morning, just to us who are believers, Jesus' words, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way where I'm going. The Bible is so real. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These are verses from God's holy word. This time, we're going to have a musical ministry of a solo from LaToya Brown, please. Thank you. 
Beautiful. Thank you, Sister LaToya, and thank you, brother. Beautiful piano. Thank you. We move to the tributes portion of our service together. Uh, there will be four altogether. I'll introduce the first two at this time. 
Mr. Etheric Bow from the Government High School class of 1975 will come first, followed by Mr. Shano Dorset from the Bahamas Taekwondo Federation. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning, class of 75. Ted was, Ted is, one of us. He will always be one of us. Ted was a very special person. He is a part of a very special group. Our group, we were chosen from throughout the Bahamas. We were chosen for one reason only. We were the smartest little kids in the Bahamas. <laughs> they put us together, they held us together for five, in those days time was long, five long years from 1970 to 1975 and then they released us. They put us together, and then we chose to stay together. And our journey now, we are so connected. Our journey continues forever together. Ted is not here, here today, physically with us, but he is always a part of us. And until we get so lucky as to move on to the other side and be with Ted again, we continue to represent Ted because Ted is not dead, and I'll explain. He's still with us. In government high school, one of the things we learned very early is that there are only two things that exist in the universe energy, and matter. We also learned that energy and matter are conserved. The total of energy and matter always remains the same. You could convert one to the other, but the total remains the same. If you accept that argument, then you appreciate that life must be either energy or matter. And so, life is not, cannot be destroyed. It always was, it always will be. The only thing that changes is its form. So, we lean now not on our understanding, because we don't understand. We have to lean on our faith, on what we believe. And we believe that Ted has not gotten to the end. Ted is still with us. Ted is still a part of, of us. Ted will always be with us. Now, Ted is a very interesting fellow, and it's good to see that he got to be a champion athlete, because in high school, Ted was not known for athletics. Ted was a good walker, because we all had to walk. and. The distances we walked to go to school back then 
people would not even attempt to walk now. And not only did we walk, we walked in the sun. So one side of your face was darker than the other side <laughs> because the sun caught you going and the sun caught you coming back. And that is how we live. Ted was quiet, but he wasn't silent. Ted had a lot to say, and he said it. But Ted always said it in a very even way. I've never known Ted to be really upset about anything. Ted expressed himself. I mean, the conversation from school home was a good long walk, and there were never any lulls in the conversation. And I can assure you, I wasn't doing all the talking. So there were conversations with Ted, and very intelligent conversations, because if there's one thing, Ted was a thinker. We were trained to think because we were always challenging each other. And without rancor, because sometimes going to school, you would have one side of the argument, and returning home, you would have the other side of the argument. We just talked things out. There were no knives, no guns, no persistent animosity. There was, and it expressed, it is, it is expressed still, there was just a, a whole lot of love. And that is what the class of 75 holds from Ted still, that we are one and we love one another and we will continue to love one another and we cherish Ted's memory. Ted is special, as I said. His memory is special to us. But you know something in life? There's something that goes beyond all of this stuff. There's a thing called luck. We're lucky to be born where we were born. We could have been born somewhere else. We could have been born in Haiti. We could have been born in Jamaica. We could have been born in Ghana. We could have been born, we could have been Chinese. We could have been a lot of things, but God put us here. And he put us together in a special group. So we were lucky. But Ted was extra lucky, you know. And I came to find this out last year. Ted was extra lucky because Ted had the good fortune to come across this wonderful woman, Olivia. And Olivia, we, the class of 1975, we appreciate you. We really appreciate the way you took care of our brother. And we talked with one another all the time. And trust me, we talked about you. Because while nobody wants to experience what Ted experienced, if we have to experience it, we want a warrior like you in our corner. We don't have to be sad for Ted. 
we're supposed to be celebrating per everything that, that's told to us. And I truly believe that Ted is in a good place. We loved Ted. We will continue to cherish his memory. And Olivia, as much as Ted leaned on you, you know that we're here for you. Thank you. Do well. Hi, good morning, church. All right, I was given the honors to give a tribute on Ted on behalf of Taekwondo and the Taekwondo family. All right, uh, Lid told me, you know, keep everything in five minutes. Ted was a blower, and I could blow too. So when we meet together and we would talk, that's, we can put some time in. But I can make sure I keep it short and keep it frank, you know. Uh, I met Ted about, this year would make 20 years from I started the martial arts. I came into Taekwondo in 2000, October. Went down to Tambali. There I saw Ted, Robert Butler, president of the Federation now, and Natasha inside the place. And at first, Ted didn't look at me you know, as a, a simple student because with martial arts, you work your way up. You work your way in. So as time went on, I went from a simple student with Ted and our relationship grew to a more like a real master-student relationship. May sound the same, but it's really totally different. With Ted, I can be frank and I can give two points of Ted. Ted for us was a Ted in the dojo or the dojang and a Ted outside the dojang. Inside the dojang with Ted, it was work hard work ethics. Ted embodied the fullness of Taekwondo. Taekwondo have some philosophies with it called tenets, courtesy, perseverance, self-control, integrity, indomitable spirit. And Ted embodied that and he pushed that onto us. When I first came to Taekwondo, I was what you would call an inner city youth. Young man, rough year, plat back, throughout 18, so when I came in, English wasn't the best thing, the Bahamian dialect, the street, but Ted accept all of us as is. And what he did is he pushed fundamentals, basics, leadership, and he pushed that on us. As time went on, I became like the top student. And as a top student, whenever Taekwondo would go a little down, they would say, okay, we need new strategies and tactics. I brought in a lot of guys, guys from my area too. And again, the guys I brought in were, you know, rough around the edges and so forth. But what Ted always did with us is he always told me, you know, with these guys, you always enforce to them that Taekwondo people are successful people. So in order for you to be a good Taekwondo practitioner, you got to strive for success and excellence. And we did that. So those sessions were not just sessions of learning to throw a punch or learning to throw a kick. They were sessions of learning to become men, learning to become leaders, learning to push your way forward through anything. And many of us in the program, we pushed our way through a lot, all through TED. I could give stories of classes where a typical class with TED isn't a regular 
class. You go there, you can work hard. For instance, he would start off, okay, we're gonna do 10 set of crunches. He reached 10, then his number go to 20. Then he go, all right, 10 more. Then he repeated, and the guy would be on the side of me, uh, Shino, wait, when are you gonna stop? I don't, I don't know, but just keep going. You just keep going. You would crunch and crunch. Then here comes the time when we got a kick. We start throwing kicks after kicks, crashing kicks. We would swing, 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 and they're like, okay, I want it, maximum effort. There, kick there, and we swinging, and, and I'm like, and Dolph will come, Shino, where, where there is? He keeps saying there, there. I said, I don't know, but just keep kicking till you find there. <laughs> so, through the times of the sessions, we would do those things, and reality ain't never really reached there. <laughs> but it was always maximum effort, maximum power, maximum, maximum force. So, with that, you know, I, like I said, I worked my way, and we, the top student, all of us came out, all of us came good folks. Now, the Ted outside the Dojang. Outside the Dojang, Ted believed in practically almost the same thing. Perseverance, hard working, militant feeling, militant movement, and here it is, you're like, it, you might think it's different, but it ain't, it ain't different. Taekwondo, you take those tenants and you put that in your life, and you live your life outside there. So the same hard work you put in the dojang is the same hard work you put out there. So it was times where Ted would say, okay, now, Shino, you with these guys, we want you to do this. We want you guys to do that. We want you to do this. We would have fundraisers, cookouts, and I didn't, I was just starting. Like I say, I never had opportunities where I was up above there. So here it is. Here's a man telling me, you have to lead these guys, and these guys looking at me as, Okay, Shino, what next? It was times when we have fundraisers, for instance, one cookout by BizJet, and it was rough, overwhelming, and I broke down. When I broke down in the back, Dad didn't come and pat me on the shoulder and like, oh, take a hug? No, 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 no. You gotta overcome, you gotta stand up, you gotta come and you gotta go do this. So it was always, when you fall, you get back up, because you gotta persevere. When he said, Shino, you're now gonna be the vice president of the Federation, Robert Butler, president of the Federation, we would have meetings, and he would come in with new strategic plans and new strategies and tactics each time, and for us, we'd be like, oh, Ted, you, you sure so? Mr. Butler would be like, hey, Teddy, uh, you know, uh, you know, if answer, but you go there and you better try that. So with these new strategies and ideas, we were able to take Taekwondo to places and kids all over New Providence. The first place he sent me to was the Children's Emergency Hostel. Then from there, I went into urban renewal. Then from there, we went into high schools, the Fence Force Rangers. So as a inner city kid, I now find myself helping other kids, molding other kids, pushing other kids. We end up in five different primary schools. In these schools, we get to touch hundreds of kids. And what that gave for me was, now I'm older now, it's good when you have a child that was, like I say, urban renewal, work their way up, and now you, they see you, hey, Mr. Dorset, they're on the police force. Hey, Mr. Dorset, how you doing? They come here, I get to be called Mr. Dorset. At 18, I would have never seen that. So thanks to Ted in that push, we were able to do things in a little small country, and we still push. The next good thing about Mr. Williams was he always helped us out really extra help us out. The extra help came in the 
fact that, you know, it was times when students had rough times. Me and my friends, them and the other guys. For instance, the recession of 2008. I was not, you know, you lost your job. Nobody wanted to hire a part-time college student. And, you know, Ted would go in and say, you know, send your resumes out, do this, do that. But thanks to his brilliant thinking and discovering businesses and putting it together, he discovered one business, the concrete polishing. So the minute he got that business, she, you know, I need you and I need your guys. I was able to grab a couple of the guys. And we worked on the first project in CBS. One guy, Daryl Dean, he stayed on with Ted longer in working with it. Now, Daryl was a, a inner city youth that came, non-high school graduate, came out of the boys industrial reformatory. But Ted made him, okay, you in charge of certain projects, you work this. That taught that guy to go out there, BTVI, graduate plumbing, end up a journeyman, now he's a very skilled journeyman plumber. So with that help, it was remarkable for us. And my thing is, if we had a thousand more men like Ted Williams, a thousand more men who look at young people and don't see the roughness, don't see the bad accents or the bad attitudes or, you know, you're using that. It's like, look here, fix that, fix this. You go, just speak that, speak this. Who expose young people to, you know, greatness. I, hardly, I first left the country at 15. Thanks to Ted and Taekwondo, I was able to go to Mexico, Dominican Republic, Trinidad and Tobago, Colorado. Me and Robert, and we just move. Robert as the head coach, and we just travel. So that exposure changed my life. So we don't see Ted as just the teacher. Or, like I say, it was a student teacher, and it was now more of a student and a teacher. That, that's totally different. We see Ted as a father figure, an advisor, a consultant. So whenever I have a problem, I call them. Whenever I take my kids out, and a few of them in the back, we go to events, I call Ted, okay, Ted, are we, are we here now? What are we going to do? We're going to do this, we do that. The last time I spoke with him was in June 1st, when we went to a training camp in Orlando. And while the boys were in the pool, doing around, I was sat in by the pool and I talked to him, spoken. All right, Ted, we're going there, it's a training thing. You're like, okay, now, you know, you go there, you meet as much people as you meet, gather up as much resources as you gather up and work with it. I say, yes, sir, when we come back, you can do that. That was always our conversations. How to better Taekwondo, how to better my class and my program, how to better people. I have emails going back from 2009 on strategies and plans. Every time you think it, he throw it out there. Never kept knowledge to himself. Never like, okay, I'm going to keep this. He share everything. Anyway, folks, like I say, I over, way over my time, but <laughs> there was a blower and, and we could blow. It was days, Miss Williams would just, you know, drop him off and leave us. Because, you know, he can put some time in. You know, I'll go around by the house, by his mommy, and sit down outside, and we just talk. But when you have men with purpose, would put that purpose out there. Show people, you know, most people can't come on this earth and they don't let their lives affect others. But a real good person, they let their life affect somebody in a positive way. And you can't beat that. Because when you see the rough boy on the side of the road, you don't know where he can be. You had a chance, you could turn him into a shooter, or you could turn him into a doctor. But you gotta see it. So Ted saw that. 
And for that, I'll always appreciate him. All right, thanks. Thank you very much. Those were two excellent tributes from Mr. Bo and, and Mr. Dorsett. You said you've been doing Taekwondo for 20 years. You must have started when you were about two years old. Bahamians, uh, my wife and I always admire Bahamians. You all look younger than your years, especially the women for some reason. Praise the Lord. The next two tributes come from Ms. Antoinette Seymour from the Windsorites, and then uh, last but not least from Dion Williams, Ted's brother. So they'll come in that order, please. Good morning, church. Deepest condolences all around to spouse and other family, co-friends, everyone impacted by Ted's presence on this planet. As we knew him, and who are we? We are the Windsor crew, the Windsorites, University of Windsor, Windsor, Ontario, Canada, early 80s, the sweetest days and times. That is whom I'm representing, the Windsor crew of which Ted was a beloved member. Ted, Ted at Windsor, Canterbury College near the suspension bridge which connected Canada and the US. I and my bestie, Juliet, lived in an off-main campus university residence called Canterbury College. We shared a room in Beckett House and Ted was in a Canterbury house right opposite. Riverside Drive on the Detroit River. Canterbury College, Riverside Drive, Grass, Detroit River, Detroit Skyline. That was our view. When Juliet and I first arrived, I 16 and she 17 years old, we were greenies. I named the main Bahamians who became fiercely protective substitute big brothers and sister to us in Canada. Liz Mitchell, Dawn Merritt, and Ted, of course Ted. Ted with a hearty laugh and sparkling smile. His eyes would crinkle and twinkle and scrunch down at the corners whenever he laughed and smiled. And Ted in his camis. Oh, he loved those camouflage plants. Far off you would see those camis, those green camis, and know it was Ted approaching with quick, determined, resolute stride. And those green camis were right in keeping with his love for martial arts. Ted. How do I personally remember Ted? Well, I always said that Ted must have spent quite some time in Illustra, just from how he pronounced my name, Antoinette, <laughs> and not Antoinette, Antoinette. My sister Pam went through GHS with Ted, and also University of Windsor. She finished the year before I arrived. And Ted called her Pam, not Pam, Pam. He had such rich advice for all of the Bahamians, including me, of course, where to go and where to get what, why, and how on and off campus. And he was so proud of me, especially when I was on the local Windsor chess team and we would go over to Detroit to cut it. Ted was that big brother of the new Bahamians on campus. I recall a tiff I had with one of the Canadian girls in Beckett House. It was over the thermostat. In the heart of a blizzardy Canadian winter, 
winter, she placed the thermostat on what felt like 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I placed it on 85. She placed it on 20. I placed it back on 85. The situation escalated and she shouted, why don't you just go back to the islands? I promptly telephoned Ted. Before I could even blink, Ted in his green camouflage pants and Eddie Demerit were over in a flash, angry, asking who was bothering me. The girl bolted upstairs. Ted also had an entrepreneurial spirit and from so young an age at that, when you really consider it, Students threw many parties, and we went, and we had a great free time. But when Ted threw a house party, you could be sure he would charge folks for entry. <laughs> and Bahamians didn't get a break, <laughs> right, Reggie? <laughs> and he charged for the drinks, and he, I believe, one had to pay for the restroom, too. <laughs> and the music. Okay, let me not get carried away. But we had no problem paying because his parties were so good. Gap Band, SOS Band, Queen, Shalomar, People, Isley, Shaka Khan, Prince, Michael, Curtis Blow, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and such. It was such sweet days, and Ted helped to make them so. We religiously went to the early morning Canterbury Mass in a wee chapel right at Canterbury. Sometimes it would be only Ted, Juliet, me, and the priests. Delicious donuts and coffee afterward with pleasant, thoughtful chat. He was so intelligent. Oh, my goodness. And just about all of the Bahamians at Windsor were members of Carissa, the Caribbean Students Association. And the events and camaraderie were absolutely wonderful. As a matter of fact, our Dr. Mike Darvel, he was president at one time, and he had the opportunity to visit with Ted um, up until his um, passing. So what do other Windsorites have to say about Ted? Pam, Pam Seymour Moultrie. Pam regrets not being able to attend today. She is participating in a funeral as I speak, but she sends her condolences. One of the few gentlemen I knew in the university, this is what Pam had to say, we had a lot of fun together, and by we, she includes her bestie, Donna Cartwright, GHS. We went to movies and dances, and Ted was a safe dance partner, a true friend, a real friendship. Randy Aubrey, oh my God, I'm still in shock over this, geez. It's a lot to process. I've always found him to be so positive and full of energy. He was comfortable to be around naturally. He made you feel at ease, a real good friend, a beautiful soul, really sad he is gone. So we're really getting the picture. Diana Lynn Miller, quiet and unassuming. Former Senator Joe Curry, he was one of the first persons to welcome me to Windsor. Pleasant, gentle spirit, and loving are my memories. Always supportive and encouraging, inquiring how things were going. Saw him last September at the airport. That same bright and pleasant smile, the same Ted. We chatted briefly as he was heading to Eleuthera and I to Freeport. A good man has left us. May he rest in peace. Glenn Nairn, generally always calm and in charge, always so calm and very helpful without really being boisterous. We were so green and Ted was so mature. His regular words were, I got that. Yeah, I got that. You don't got to worry about that. And I repeat, yes, he was fiercely protective. Reggie Sanders, um, acting PS, uh, rest in peace to our friend, brother, and University of Windsor colleague. Sincere condolences to this family. 
to his family. Ted was the senior man on campus who made sure we young Bahamians just coming to Canada and the University of Windsor were taken care of, looked after, and supported. Thank you, Ted. You will be missed, my friend. Ted was our guardian, our protector. He always watched over us. Julie Tucker Campbell. I remember him being a real gentleman, and this is a recurrent sentiment, gentleman. Very nice man. Basically, he was a gentleman, and I appreciated him so much as a person because you could tell he was mature, and he was responsible in terms of his schoolwork, which he took seriously. Donnie Merritt, enterprising and a thinker. He got around. Yeah, we used to say Ted could really hustle. <laughs> Juliet Storr, Professor Juliet Storr, my bestie. Ted was our big brother. He looked out for us and always wanted to know we were all right. He was kind, considerate, and humorous. His parties at Canterbury were also famous. Everyone had a good time, but of course there was an entrance fee. I will remember him fondly. And then Craig Powell, I keep remembering Ted's smiling face. He always had the latest scope. We all cherish the beautiful memories. I should probably end by saying, fly, Ted, fly, and take your rest. But with Ted being a martial arts aficionado, I say Sensei Ted, and it might, it might not apply to Taekwondo, but it still sounds good. I say Sense, Sensei Ted, enter the eternal dojo and do your eternal katas. May the precious memory of you live on and on. May your soul rest in peace. One thing Ted always taught me was to write things down, because he said, Dion, you won't regret anything, and you say what you have to say. This indeed, this indeed is a very sad day for me, I, as I have lost more than a brother. I have lost my partner, mentor, confidant, and best friend that I always could depend on. You see, I could depend on Ted for anything. If I needed a favor, he was there. If my car broke down, I could call him any time to come, no matter what time it was in the night. If I needed quick, proper advice, he would always say the right thing. When I needed someone to talk to, he was there. My big brother played a very instrumental role in my life, and I am forever grateful. In primary school, I still remember him dropping me to school and bringing me a special snack on Fridays as a treat. That's why I like sweets so much today. He always encouraged me to be the best in school and whatever I put my hands to. It was Ted who taught me how to drive. I remember Ted stood in my wedding. And after the wedding, I was leaving to head out the following day for my honeymoon using Ted's vehicle. In my haste, I got in an accident and rode off the next vehicle and severely damaged Ted's van. I thought about canceling my honeymoon, but Ted told me to go, not to worry and we would work something out when I came back. This was, the, this was the kind of spirit and attitude my brother always had towards me and others. Through the years, we, we kept a special bond, but during the last years, we became very close. Hardly a day would go past without us speaking to one another. We became business partners and formed diamond concrete surfaces. It was an ideal partnership, as Ted would do all the initial leg work and, and administrative work and set up the job for me to use my technical expertise. 
we proved that we were the premier concrete refurbishment contractors in the Bahamas. They had always had the bright ideas with a great entrepreneurial mindset. One time we were contemplating to enter a joint venture with a guy who had a world record at sea for over a thousand days on his pirate ship with the intent of converting it into a floating restaurant. When we got to Nassau Harbor, the guy came to collect us in a miniature boat, no bigger than a washing tub, <laughs> with two oars, <laughs> with two oars to row us out to the pirate ship. Not being a good swimmer, you can imagine my fears as the dog became smaller and smaller and the water seemed higher and higher. Boy, did I tremble and pray that day, but Ted was calm. I asked him how come he was so calm when we, were, when we were on perilous waters wearing the wrong clothing in a washing tub with a human fish as the captain. Ted responded, we safe, not our time yet, Dion. Through the years, we even became closer, especially when he married the love of his life, Olivia. Ted would always wear his long sleeve signature shirts and kept clean and refined and kept his glass screwed up as he rode in the air condition. At times when tem tempers would flare during negotiations, he would tell the corniest jokes loudly to simmer things down and be the first to laugh with a laugh that came from deep down within. Ted was a gentleman and an expert negotiator who loved people. Boy, did I miss him when he brought his home and moved to Elutra. Ted loved rock sound and spent most of his time there. He told me he was setting up to stay there for good, and he had already began that process. Me and my wife would always go to spend time with Ted and Lydia in Roxanne. And did we enjoy our wonderful times? We would talk for hours and spend lots of time in the yard looking at the landscape and trees that was put in place while he explained his horticultural expertise. This was a trade that Ted had taken up because Ted could plant trees. He always told me how I should have my backyard landscaped and he had already started that process and he loved it. It seemed as if everything he was doing was being done for his wife. Taya taught me to respect marriage. Some days I would spot him and Lydia driving around or going everywhere together the entire day. Sometimes I would be on a job and I would tell Ted, we only need a pack of nails. And lo and behold, Ted would come with the nails, but Lydia would come also. Whenever you would see Ted, you saw Lydia. Then later that evening, they would spend the afternoon on the computer before settling down to watch television. I asked Ted, why don't you all split up in a day, do separate chores to get more done? Ted told me that Lydia was his wife and that was the way that they rolled. So I had to settle with that. <laughs> Ted, you showed me signs, but I didn't recognize it. You showed me signs when we turned the business over to Creative Concrete, an entity and account which only had my name on it, and it didn't matter to you. When you let me start handling all the financial affairs of the business, and didn't even want to look at the financials I provided. When questioned, you would tell me that you totally trusted me to be fair and give you and your wife what was deserving. When you told me, regardless, we must be our brother's keeper and look out for our spouses. I remember on the last job, you were so jovial and involved. People at times questioned my strong commitment for Ted during his illness, but you see, he would have done the same for me, I am sure of that. All through my life, Ted never let me down and always did what he had to do for me, regardless of the noise in the market. The ordeal has 
was very hard on me because me and Ted were so close and we had a bond that not many people understand. It was rough and folks got angry when I used scriptural reference as my direction. But had it not been for the Lord on my side, where would I have been? I would have been like a ship without a sail, tossed to and fro, without a rudder, without no direction. I would have been like an airplane flying in bad turbulent weather, flying low and slow, and into the ground I would go. With the Lord as my refuge and strength, I feel the fair times having to be the little Joseph, standing alone with only God on my side. I know me and Ted shared the same sentiments because after he got married, we started talking love talk. We were talking business talk, we, we started talking family talk. I know we shared the same sentiments of Genesis 2 and 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And Matthew 19 and 6, so they are no, no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. Amen. Ted, I know you deeply love Lydia and cared for her welfare. As a matter of fact, our last conversation, the last time Ted talked to me, Lydia had left a package on Bahamas Air. And Ted must be sent me about 10 voicemails. Please, Dion, make sure I take care of Lydia. Take care of Lydia. Get what Lydia needs. Take care of Lydia. Even when I had to stand alone and was asked to to decide which side I was on, I had to stand for righteousness, being on the Lord's side and standing for what is right and doing what Ted instructed me to do. I refused, yes, to push 18 years of marriage on the side and count it out because I know God was watching and I know what I did for her, I was doing for you. Ted, I am confident you are resting in... I know that you are resting in God's care polishing those streets of gold. You can be assured I, I will do my best to carry out your legacy and satisfy your wishes. Until we meet again, I will still represent the business and interests that we had with integrity and give your wife your fair share. I know that I love you, but Jesus loves you best. I promise not to let you down. Those are precious tributes. Antoinette and Dion, praise the Lord for a life well lived, well summarized. Next, we have a musical selection from one of the class members of Government High School of 75, Mr. Scario Laden. Leiden, excuse me. Good morning, church.
immediate family as we sing Amazing Grace.
I'm told that in an Indiana cemetery, there's a tombstone with the following epitaph. Pause, stranger, as you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. That lyrical tombstone reminds all that read it of the reality of death. But that reminder alone is not at all comforting. But what is comforting is the fact that there is life after death. A passerby did the wrong thing in that Indiana cemetery. He scratched this reply on the tombstone. To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. (laughs) Knowing which way we are going to go is key. There was an ancient church in a city called Thessalonica, which was troubled what, over what would come after death for them. And after they expressed that concern, the Holy Spirit moved the Apostle Paul in inspiration to write an answer for that church historically, but an answer that is for this church and the churches you come from today. And it's 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who have fallen asleep, that you may not grieve, as do the rest, who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I see four R's in the verses I have just read with you. A return, a resurrection, a rapture, and a reunion. In Scripture, both Old and New Testament, death is always separation. Death is separation in the mind of God. Physical death is a separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. Spiritual death is a dead spirit being separated from a meaningful relationship with God when someone's alive. There could be some spiritually dead persons here today. I don't know. There probably are some spiritually dead persons in this church. Death is separation. Physical death spiritual death, but there's a third variety of death the Bible teaches. It's eternal death. Eternal death is the soul and spirit and resurrected body being separated from God forever in a literal place the Bible calls hell. So death is separation. Quickly then, let's consider these four R's one by one. First, 
The R is for return. I see that in the first part of the passage. Listen again, please. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. Watch it for the return. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. The first R is for a return, a return of Christ. This return of Jesus Christ will be to earth's atmosphere. And this return of Jesus Christ will not be for everyone on planet earth. Because the verse says, brethren, and it says, in Jesus. So the first return of Christ to the earth's atmosphere is only pertinent to born-again believers such as Ted. It's a return exclusively for the redeemed. It's a return of Christ for the dead and the living redeemed. Those who are asleep, according to the passage, are Christians who have already physically died. And this comparing of physical death to the sleep euphemism, a figure of speech that softens a hard thing, the sleep referred to here in the passage is the believer's body, but it's not a sleep of the believer's soul or spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.8 makes it clear that for the born-again person, the instant the soul and the spirit are dismissed from the body, they go immediately to be with Jesus Christ in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So when verse 14 indicates For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, the Bible is teaching us that the souls and the spirits of the dead believers in Christ will accompany Jesus in this return, this return. And so to recap, this return is by Jesus for the redeemed to earth's atmosphere with the soul spirits of those already dead in Christ. That's the first R of our passage. From the first R of a return, we move to the second R, which is a resurrection. Not only will the Lord Jesus return, but according to the last part of verse 16, there will be a literal resurrection that accompanies that return of Christ. Listen to the second half of verse 16, please. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So not only will Jesus return For all the redeemed, living and dead, but he will cause, command a resurrection. A resurrection of those who died in Christ, like Ted has died with faith in Christ. You know, nowadays I have to say it. I've been a pastor for 32 years. There was a day when I didn't have to say what I'm about to say to you, but nowadays people are so messed up who call themselves Christians. I need to say this. The Bible knows nothing of reincarnation. Nothing. The Bible doesn't teach reincarnation. The Bible teaches resurrection. And the Bible teaches resurrection in this passage that at the return of Jesus Christ, the graves of the born-again persons will open and they will give up the remains of the redeemed person's body and then these remains will be glorified and rejoined with the respective soul spirits which have been with Jesus since the believer's physical death. And so we have two of the R's in the passage. We have two of the R's. We have a return and we have a resurrection. Now we go to the third R, a rapture. 
The English word rapture comes from the Latin verb rapturio. Rapturio in Latin means to be caught up. And so watch for the catching up of living Christians at the return of Christ that is described for us in verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, there it is, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. The rapture is the literal, spectacular, in the twinkling of an eye event that living born-again persons at the coming of Christ are caught up alive from the earth to meet the Lord Jesus in the air and to meet the already dead and resurrected believers who are also in the air with Christ at that time. Now, some of you may be saying, rapture, that sounds a little far-fetched. Well, it wasn't far-fetched to American Airlines. When Beth and I lived and worked and studied in Dallas, Texas in the mid-80s, I spoke to a person very high up in American Airlines, and he said to me, you know, we don't allow two born-again pilots to fly our aircraft. <laughs> because of the rapture promise. He said, if, if, if we did... And both those pilots were raptured, and the plane crashed, and everybody on board died. The litigation that American Airlines would face would be massive, because the attorney can prove by the word of God that this was expected. <laughs> this was predicted. So they didn't let one born-again pilot fly with another born-again pilot because of the promise of the rapture. I don't know what their policy is now. It's a few years later, but back in the mid-'80s, that was the policy. So, the assurance of a rapture means that some of us who are alive and who are trusting Christ alone for our salvations may never have to experience physical death. <laughs> we may get lifted out of here alive to be with Jesus. That's three of the R's. A return, a resurrection, and a rapture. Let's cover the fourth R that's in the passage, a reunion. Government high school class of 1975, maybe you've done some reunions, or you will. This passage talks about a reunion. Listen, on this coming rapture day, those who are still alive will be reunited with all of our deceased believing family and friends, and this great reunion will never be interrupted. <laughs> this will be a reunion that has a forever hello and no more goodbyes. I'm looking forward to that. The next time you're in a cemetery, we won't, we won't be going to the cemetery today. But the next time you're in one of our cemeteries, I would encourage you to pause long enough to scan the graves in that cemetery. And as you do so, I would encourage you to think about the fact that one amazing day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return to Earth's atmosphere, to the air, and the believing bodies of Christians who believed in Christ that are interred in that cemetery will be resurrected <laughs> and joined together again with their soul and their spirits. But you know what? Not all the graves in those cemeteries will be opened at that return. For the persons who died without Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, their graves will not be opened yet. Matters what we do with Christ. There's no second chance after we die. There's no purgatory. No prayers for the dead. It's settled here and now. So, 
with this resurrection and this rapture complete, an everlasting reunion gets underway, a never ever to end reunion. And will you be part of that resurrection? If you pass away before the return of Christ, will you be part of this resurrection that's predicted? Well, you will be part of that resurrection if and only if you've settled that matter with your faith in Jesus Christ while you are alive, maybe today. This decision to transfer one's trust as a sinner over to the finished work of Jesus Christ alone for salvation from sin in heaven one day is a decision that no one can make for you. Your wife can't make this decision for you. Your pastor or priest can't make this decision for you. Your parents couldn't make that decision for you. It's a personal responsibility and a decision that each of us must make. And we probably don't think of it this way, but I think we should. We are now in the land of the dying, and all of us are going to the land of the living. The living in one of two places, right? We live in the land of the dying, and we are going to the land of the living. Are you prepared for the trip? Do you know that there is no biblical prophecy in the Old or the New Testament that's yet to be fulfilled before this return of Christ to earth's atmosphere could take place? There's nothing we have to wait for prophetically before Jesus could come back. He could come back today. He could come back this week. He could come back this month. He could come back any time. It's imminent. Any time. And I would submit to you humbly as one beggar who has found the bread of life to other beggars who need to find the bread of life, I would submit to you that now and today is the time to settle your eternity. Because you and I are not guaranteed tomorrow. You hear all the sirens going off during the service? People being raced to doctor's hospital or PMH with fatal heart attacks. People having serious car accidents. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Ask Kobe Bryant. Rest his soul. My father-in-law just went to be with Jesus after being a pastor for 60 years. He died at age 94. And uh, when he first went into the ministry after attending school at Dallas Seminary, he went to a church in Columbus, Ohio that had a seasoned senior pastor. And Dr. Ashbrook, when my father, Phil, father-in-law Phil arrived at the church, said, Phil, what do you want to take, the funerals or the weddings? Whatever you choose, I'll take the other. So Beth's daddy said, I'll take the funeral, sir. (laughs) And the seasoned pastor said, wow, that's surprising. I thought for sure you'd take the weddings. Why do you want the funerals? And her, her father said, sir, no one comes to a wedding thinking about eternity. You've come to a funeral, and it's only natural that you would think about your own mortality. It's only natural that you would think about your own death. Heaven is a gated community. Not everyone qualifies for it. In fact, no one qualifies for it in their own religiosity. It's a gift, a grace gift given to the believer in Christ. And you give you a chance to trust Jesus right where you sit in a minute. So, Christ could come back anytime, raise the dead, catch up the living, start a heavenly reunion anytime. 
And so the question I ask you again, humbly but urgently, are you ready for him to return? 1 John 5, 11 to 12 is pretty blunt. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son, Christ. He who has the son has the life, but he who does not have the son of God does not have the life. Could not be more plain. So let me help you. If we all could bow our heads in respect for God, please, and if we could all close our eyes to eliminate visual distractions, the gospel is that Christ died in our places and rose from the dead. He paid the sin debt that he didn't owe that we owed. But like any gift, the gift of salvation is only to be received by a choice. It's not by osmosis or by religious confirmation in any church. It's a personal choice. When a person says, God, I have blown it, you could tell God quietly in your heart right where you sit if you feel you've blown it. And Christ has demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we've blown it, he still died for us in our places. You could tell from where you sit, you could tell God, I believe that Jesus died in my place. The Christian and the person becoming a Christian believes in the resurrection of Christ. And so you could tell the Father from where you sit, I believe, Father, you raised Jesus from the dead. And here and now, in the best way I know how, I transfer my trust to Christ alone. You could say that to God. I transfer my trust to Christ alone. When a person acknowledges their sin, acknowledges what Jesus did on the cross for them, acknowledges Jesus' resurrection and puts full confident trust on Christ and only Christ, that person is born again made new from the inside out. What was once a dead spirit in sin becomes enlivened and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And you now are called and privileged after you've made that decision to trust Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You're now called and duty-bound and privileged to live a thank-you kind of life back to God. I believe that there's a holy hush the Holy Spirit is ministering to each person here today. If you've never transferred your trust to Christ, you're not going to make it without him. And if you have transferred your trust to Christ, have you grown cool and careless? Return to the first love, your Savior. Be in a Bible-believing church tomorrow. Read the word of God for yourself. Pray. Tell others about Christ because they aren't going to make it to heaven without Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the spiritual, eternal work you've done in these minutes. Give those who've transferred their trust to Christ for the first time courage to speak to me or any other person that's a Christian at the repast and say, hey, I trusted Christ to be my Savior because other Christians would love to help you grow in Christ. 
You're a babe in Christ right now, but don't remain a babe in Christ. Grow up into the full stature of Christ. We'll help you. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Bless these decisions. Ratify them. Solidify them for your glory. And those bowed in God's presence said, amen. And so funerals close the eyes of the dead and open the eyes of the living. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 has been our text for this afternoon. And a good title for these verses would be Reassurance for the Redeemed. And you heard me say before, the Indiana tombstone said, pause, stranger, as you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I, as I am now, so you will be, so prepare for death and follow me. And the vandal scratched on the marble, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. Don't leave here wondering which way you're going to go. Settle it. Please settle it. Ted went to be with Christ because he trusted Jesus Christ to be his Savior. And we're going to see him again as the, as the eulogies and the tributes indicated, the songs, the hymns. It's all true for the believer in Christ. We're going to have a full funeral service, homegoing service. We're not going to the cemetery, as I mentioned. So please stand with me for a time of committal. Please stand. Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior said all of the following, and I'm quoting, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but is passed out of death into life. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Friends, as we've gathered this afternoon to lay to rest dear Theodore Addington Williams' earthly house, I want to remind us that this gathering is not in vain. For we have gathered here on the basis of a forever sure and certain hope, which is anchored to the word of the triune God, the living God. I want to share one more passage from Scripture with us at this time. Revelation 21 verses 1 to 7. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes shall inherit these things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. Inasmuch as it pleased our Lord and Heavenly Father to take from our midst by gathering to himself this one whom we dearly love, we commit his earthly house to its final resting place, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust a place for safekeeping only until that great trumpet day, that glorious day when the treasure we now deposit into an urn for safekeeping is transformed and raised, imperishable and glorified. Please pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, all that hands could do have we done. Where we now leave off, do you take up and take care Watch over the hallowed place in Eleuthera in holy remembrance until the promised resurrection. Bless Olydia and the family that remains. Secure them by your love. Instruct them by your word. Comfort them by your promises. Sustain them by your grace. Encourage them by your people. Warm them by the memories they hold dear. Heal them by your touch. Guide them by your Holy Spirit. Save them by your sacrifice. Precious Lord Jesus, send us away now to the repast and then from there to our homes and to the work that awaits us. In your love and in your dear name, amen. For him to God be the glory.